Oh yeah, the kids can go out. Yeah. Oh, sorry, champion. Rugby player that's actually from Wellington, 
and I sat at a funeral and it's just like, yes, Lord, that you are impacting communities, that you are doing so something significant um, in us as, as a movement of God, as Josh Jane, as 412, as individuals, because ultimately the Lord is not just building a movement, but He's doing it through me, through you, through individuals. So I want to pray for us, then I'm going to jump in this morning. I'm excited. Um, I was checking the calendar. When was, when was Tuesday? From Tuesday, specifically Tuesday, I started to pray for the Sunday. I'm like, Lord, whoever needs to be here, let him be here. Because I know the Spirit is going to do something in our hearts. The Spirit is going to move and shake and just come in. I really feel this thing is going to blow off dust. I think dust has settled a little bit. And dust is a picture in the Bible of flesh, of things that hinder us a little bit. And I think the Lord is just going to come a fresh wind and blow this morning. And to be honest, I don't care if there's one person that I could preach to this morning we plus minus 50, 40, um, or a bigger congregation of 300. I really don't care. I think the Lord is working through individuals. Yes. And individuals being built up. Mm. We will get Rabaul try to fit in here within a couple of months. Yeah. Hallelujah. So Father, I do want to thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus, I thank you that you are not the God of the cross, but you're the God of the cross the God of the resurrection, and that today you seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and that our God is no longer on the cross. Our God is seated in heavenly places. He is alive, He is with us, He is close to us, and that you say that you said it would be better for you to go that you could send the helper. That the helper would come. And no longer that we need to change our outward appearance only, but you say that you will send the Spirit, that you will come and do a change from the inside out. Taking out the heart of stone and putting in a heart of flesh. We trust you to come do a magnificent work this morning. Lord, I know that my preach will not tickle ears. (laughs) I know that my preach won't, in a sense, stimulate the, the intellectual minds sitting in front of me the smart people. But Father, it will be a move of your spirit this morning. By faith we trust. Amen. Lekker. I really believe the Lord is present. I don't need to ask him to come. I think many times we're like, come Lord Jesus. He's like, I'm already here. I'm amongst you. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, he is amongst them. I want to ask you as a community and as a Grabao church, you believe that? Yes. Jesus is in your midst and doing something significant. So, I was thinking this week, um, a couple of months ago, even yeah, the, the masks got dropped. But myself and Brigitte, we've been married as long as COVID has existed. Okay? So we got married the day before COVID. Sure. Um, literally. Like we, um, and it's such a cool testimony. A year before that, I, I prayed and the Lord gave me a date, 14th of March. And I'm like, why not the 21st? Why not the 7th? Why the 14th? And I'm just like, okay, Lord, I'll get married on the 14th of March if it is a Saturday. I took out my calendar and went. It was a year before that, so I had to go into 20, when did we get married? 2021, 2020, 2020, 2020. And I went to 14th of March and I went in. It's a Saturday. I'm like, I'll book it. We weren't engaged then. I said, Lizzie, we're getting married on the 14th of March. <laughs> you, 
you need to get ready to get to be engaged to me. <laughs> so we're gonna go for it. And then we went on normal. We went at a at a wedding over a hundred and a normal wedding. The, the next day, the Sunday, the president announced no more big gatherings. And we're like, oh, we made it just in time. Now we understand because we wouldn't have a normal wedding. We went on honeymoon. Um, to the garden route because that's such a nice thing to do and it's a Siki and Romaisi and all of those things and then we were sitting eating milk tart in the bed on our last evening of honeymoon because my, my wife loved making peppermint crisp tart and things chowing that thing and then the president pops up again and he's like level 5 or lockdown happening in 2 days and we were driving back had panic buy bought a lot of cushions and stuff and pillows and everything we stopped it up a bit of panic buy went into that and many people will call it lock lockdown we called it extended honeymoon for yeah. three months <laughs> um, and we went into that and for us looking back at lockdown this past two years it's been quite crazy and the very thing that we take for granted like the day-to-day -day things we look back and we're like when it's taken away like Yo, I can't even go for like that stuffy that you guys don't talk about. It was like a period in lockdown that you can only go for like an hour or two or three to go walk. I don't know how it's been here in Grabau, but in Wellington and so on, it was quite strict and people would chase you back home and it was quite strict. And we would look back at that moment and we were like, you see, the thing that infiltrated our lives really restricted us to live free live and my i work for josh jane i just got employed like six months before that my work is people i love people i want to be with people and now this very thing that comes into our life restricts me from getting to people it was massive then a couple of months ago you check the news and things like that um, there's a couple of bombs going there in russia and ukraine and russia decides oh i think it's a good idea let's just infiltrate another country yeah. and then they go and they take all their troops and things like that and they try to take parts of ukraine and actually everything I, i'm not sure how far they want to go in but even that i looked i put myself in the shoes of the ukrainian people there was a time where they were free they lived their normal lives the kids went to school everything was just as they used to every single day and to a large extent i can even promise you that some of them took it for granted. Yeah, we will go to school tomorrow. Yeah. Or the next day this will happen, the next day that will happen. And then all of a sudden, the enemy infiltrates their life and they, they, the whole life changes. It's restricted, the freedom got stolen. And I think that picture of those two is exactly what's actually happening in the spiritual world with us. And we sometimes forget it that us as Christians are actually in a battle. That there's something more than what we see around us busy happening. That there's an enemy going around seeing who we may devour. Yeah. That there's an enemy, and, and I'm not going to have a preach about Satan this morning. Um, I think sometimes it would be good that more preachers would preach about Satan. Because it's good actually to see the schemes of the enemy and how he wants to take us out. Yeah. He already lost the battle. He is going to hell for forever. But there is still a reality that there's an involvement and a power that the enemy has to lure and entice us with our own desires and pull us in and ultimately away. But he also did lose the battle for our faith because we children of God, I believe most of us sitting here. But there is still a sense that he hates God and he hates the things that God loves. So he will go out for that.
But maybe it happened to some of you. It's never happened to me. But the devil, Lucifer, Satan, has never showed up in my room with a big horns and a pitchfork and a tail and fire and my duvet got on fire. Nothing like that. I've never seen that. But you can still see the outworking of sin and the outworking of the devil's involvement in the world so clearly. I is betrokken. I think we are deceived if we see that the devil is not, he doesn't have any power. Okay? It, Jesus said that he is the Lord of his world. One day Jesus will be, but for now, there's still a lot of influence. And what I want to speak about is actually a tactic that the enemy use, uses against Christians. So, amper uh, soos a battle plan of iets wat hy uitvoer om in a sense grond te neem in ons leven. And I've thought about a scripture that says that the enemy comes masquerading in a disguise like an angel of light. So it looks quite good. But as he infiltrates, it might not be a sudden thing. Because a sudden thing, if something massive big happens, we shock and we're like, let's be careful. But if it is a slow thing, over the course of not even months, but it might lead into years, you would look back and you're like, how did I get here? And the thing I want to speak about this morning is familiarity. Om gewoonte raak aan wat ons het. Just to become familiar with the church. Just to become familiar with God. God used to work like that, so he'll work like that today. Obviously. Because that's, that's how your kids work, right? They were obeying you yesterday, so they'll obey you the rest of their life, right? Not even kids work like that, so how can we expect God or the people of God to work exactly like that? Willem has always been nice to me. He's never correcting some things in my life. Oh, I was a prize for you. He will not always sit across from you just flattering you and looking nice. But if he doesn't change something in your life and pushes you into the more of God, he's not doing his job as a leader in this household. It's actually required of him to direct you into the fears of God, into loving God more. So, I want to speak about this, but I want to ask you guys not to expect the following. An expository, topical preaching that I would go through every scripture of familiarity and speak about these different things of how did this play out and the nitty gritties of it. But I want to highlight some points to see what it is, some areas, how it infiltrates into our life. But ultimately, the very thing I want to do is to take us, take our eyes and, and, and ask, do we recognize the hand of God? Because I believe a counter to this familiarity is actually recognizing that God is doing something significant in me, as an individual, in you. Secondly, in Grabo, in this congregation, in Josh Jen, in 412, in the world that is impacting nations, starting with individuals, and that there's something happening as we are actually speaking this morning. I have some crypt notes. Um, and I think what, what would be a, a, actually an attribute of familiarity is to look to the people around you and say, I hope that one's listening this morning. I hope that one's listening this morning. Ek hoop daai kom luister, want hy sit altyd net op die selle seat. Or, 
that person, he never worships in front. I worship at least in front. I, I lift my hands. They do like the down here. I do here. <laughs> and you compare yourself to other people, or even as a church, you're like, there's family here, there's good preaching here, there's people coming in, and we're part of something bigger, and you compare yourself to the churches around you, and you're like, yeah, but we're better than them at least. But that is not a good, good measuring rod to, to measure us to. Yourself, you need to measure it to the scriptures. What is the Bible saying? What is the standard of the Bible? Where is the Bible leading us as a congregation? Like for us, we have about, um, in, in, in Stellenbosch, we checked the numbers the other day. I think we have about a 70 to about a 76% um, amount of percentage of people being in community groups on a Wednesday. And you're like, okay, we have like 90 um, but the very thing is we're, we're a church of 315 in Stellenbosch and we look at the churches around us and we're like, yes, we're doing so much better than them in worldly way of viewing these things. And then we just stop and we're like, oh my God, we're so far from the real thing. It says daily, everyone in the church met together with one another. So this morning, I want you to Invite the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me this morning? What's he ever made this morning? What did he in my heart? It might just be one thing, one scripture, just something that will blow off that dust. A word that's used for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. It is the one that comes alongside. And I want to come alongside the Holy Spirit as he's coming alongside you to take you and say, Hichatos. Let's move into the mall. Let's take us into the mall of God. Amen. So, one thing that I, how I can compare this thing or a story that I can tell about familiarity is in the beginning days when I was still a little bit younger. I was still very young, but then I was very, very young. Just outside of school, outside of school, in the Bible school, uh, in TMT, uh, I went there. And then all of a sudden, they you get the enemy just walking around like a lion, seeing who he may devour. But then you get these other species, they call it the, the singles, single people. They are like a lion, seeking who they can marry. They're going around, and they're like, and, and it's the days where, where you're young and there's and you look around and there's woman and there's man and you look at them as a single person in our congregation we are you guys they say uh, I spoke to Anthony this morning and there's this thing of um, you guys have older more mature people we have the younger generation in our congregation that is the average of our whole church 90% um, of our church is that so there's a lot of singles looking around <laughs> seeing yeah. and there's excitement in the air yeah. the whole time hormones as well but more excitement <laughs> they're looking around and they're checking out who can one day I can marry who one day I can enter into a relationship with and to be honest I do think there's a sense of a picture here between us and God what, what's the potential in this relationship what, what can I bring to the table in this person and just what will this be and 
I think if you're sitting here, you might have went to church and done the right things. But I want to say, the way you need to see your relationship with God, or even if you're not in, in a relationship with God and you put it there, look at it. Look at it through the eyes of potential. What is the potential that it could be when I enter into a union with Christ? The eternal God, eternal life, the eternal riches, everything for life and godliness is found in this relationship. Potential. And I think there's a bit of that in the hunting season of singleness. So I went into Bible school seeking God, a lot of God. But also there was this side of me that was like, it was a year of your life, but we called it a year of your wife. Yeah. That you would look around and, and there's some ladies and you look at them and you look at through a spiritual eyes. What is their giftings? Oh, this one is a, oh, she can heal the sick. Oh, no wonder I can preach and she can come ahead and she can heal the sick. Holy go. And she can lay out on the sick and they will recover and it will look so great. We will work in partner. And then there was these other girls that can worship again. I can, I can take Felipe. Put it in the corner of the room, and as I'm seeking God, you can sing over me. <laughs> Good plan, right? And I, I looked at that, and then that day, Liffy came, and I'm like, so excited. In my heart, there was something of this potential locked up in this. It's not only that oh, oh, when we laugh, our eyes become like Japanese. We're like, that is equal. Our children will look like Japanese one day. It's amazing. It's great. It is. It is. Like, it needs to happen. But all of a sudden, I start to look at our hearts burn for the same thing, for the kingdom. And we, we enjoy one another. And we are good friends. And we started to go into our dating years. And later on, um, get, getting engaged and putting out the date. And we got married. And as you go into marriage, there's also this thing of excitement of, Jesse, doing life together. Living together. Being together. Just life. It's exciting. But then I started to approach certain people in that beginning or that first six months of being engaged and asking advice. Some of them was brilliant advice. Other advice, I'm like, oh, kumbaya. I don't like that advice. And then I started to listen to certain ways of speaking. Certain people would say that the beginning days, it's, it's like love is blind and marriage is the eye opener. It's like if you get into marriage, oh. Then you will see the real colors. All of a sudden, her personality will change. And all of a sudden, you will see that she's not always that prim and proper as she is in church. And, and you will, things will come out of you. And they describe it. I'm like, yes, that's close to hell that you describe that very thing that I'm going to go into now. And for me and Brigitte, we've spoken about this quite a lot. Something didn't sit right with us. Because as we read the scriptures, this isn't the real thing. This is a thing, but it's not the real thing. We are only a shadow of the real thing. The real thing is the relationship and the union of the church and God and Christ. And that relationship and the love they have for one another and how, how I submit myself to my wife and my wife submits herself to me, that there's a mutual submission as Christ gives himself to us and we give ourselves to Christ. And that is the real thing. And if the scripture says that it's going to take us from glory to glory, we're going to grow in becoming more like Christ, that as we behold them, we start to reflect them. So that means if I see love now, I reflect a bit of love. 
If I see more love, I need to give more love. And if I see more love, I need to give more love. And now you're telling me that marriage becomes this thing of a, just a, there's a paper sign, it's a good agreement that we're living together now. Two salaries is better than one. And I think the very thing that crept in is familiarity. I no longer then stand in awe of my wife or wife of a husband. That you become familiar that the things you used to look at and you're like, yo, makes your heart beat. That early days. Many of the more mature amongst us that have been walking with the Lord for a while would know that you always refer to, I begin daar, when the Lord entered into my life. Those beginning days. You know what that is? Somewhere in that beginning days, the enemy looked and he's like, enjoy. Familiarity will creep in. And he'll let you enjoy. And he sits back and he has this plan and he works in your life and all of a sudden it just goes. And now you're at a point like, yeah, I know church. I know who's going to be there. I know who's going to try to skip. And you all of a sudden has this, in a sense, a prideness to you. And you're like, I know, I know how villain preaches. I know he's going to throw in a couple of Afrikaans words and then he's going to do that. I think you mentioned this morning he walks a lot and so we move the chairs so we know our villain is going to do things. We know the type of songs that the worship team will put up in the front. We become professional churchgoers. But actually we forget this very thing that we are the church and we have something to bring in this morning. God, I stand in awe and we miss a little bit. Or we do the same with God. Oh, I know God will act like that and do that. And that's how He's worked in my life. And we're no longer open to a new thing that He's doing in our life. We become familiar. become nonchalant about the things of God. Mm -hmm. And we don't take it as serious anymore. And all of a sudden things start to fade, fade, fade. So, I don't want to preach too long this morning. I want to read us a... um, a scripture, or a couple of scriptures out of the book of Mark, uh, Marcus, verse 1 to 6, Mark 6, verse 1 to 6. And this speaks about familiarity that is crept in to this community. And then I want to look at Mark 5. I'm going to look at three stories. I'm not going to read them, I'm just going to mention them. And then we're going to end. You guys, good with that? Still awake? Still fine? Great. So, this is speaking about Jesus. Obviously, Mark 6 follows Mark 5. The events of Mark 5 happened, and after that we see that Jesus, Jesus went away from there. So, He went away from these events and came to His hometown. Let's say Jesus lived in Grabau. He was ministering in Joshua in Stellenbosch, and He was ministering there, He was ministering there, and ministering there, and He was healing the sick and raising the dead and doing many things. And then He came home. And his disciples followed him, so the twelve disciples, or might have been more at that time, followed him. And on the Sabbath, op a Sunday, or for them it was a Saturday, maar op a Sunday, he began to teach in the synagogue. So he stands up in the church and he starts to preach in his home church, in a sense. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things from? So they looked at this Jesus, and they're like, yo. He's preaching and there's signs and wonders being done and he's preaching now in front of his hometown and it's like, yo. And I've, I've seen that happen 
that a young man or a young woman or an older man or older woman rise up in a community and they look at them and like, yo, what's happening in that person's life? And you look at them and like, it's almost an odd thing that happened. It happened to me as well. When I was in school, I was a certain type of person. I was a very angry person. I was that typical naughty schoolboy who drank, smoked, and chased girls. That was school. We hated schoolwork. We, we just lived and gave ourselves to the world. Then I became a Christian. And I'm not a Anna Anna Kukantia type of person. Like, I'm like, we do it or we don't. We go for God or we don't. Just like if, you, if you're going to do it halfway, the Lord says He's going to vomit you or spit you out. I'm like, yes, I don't want to be in that game. So let's rather be flaming on fire for the Lord and going for it and changing the world than like, come on, there's so much more for us in Christ Jesus that we can step into and live for the Lord. So this happened. And they, where did this man get these things from? What is the wisdom given to him? There was wisdom deposited from Jesus. How are such mighty works done by his hand? Yo, so he was doing signs and wonders. It was a great event. It was a great Sunday morning, right? Yeah. Then in the middle of the six verses, that was three verses, the next six. In the middle, recognize familiarity creeping in. Is not this the carpenter? Sit here over honor by very shop isn't that the guy that grew up in, in, and listen to this. Isn't this a carpenter's son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? A kid brothers and sisters. I know this guy. Who is he? And are not the sisters here with us? Against the sisters work. And they took offense at him. Something happened. Familiarity crept into that community and it didn't only affect the, the one person, but then they started to see the one person actually arise in the community and you see familiarity jump into the other people and they're like, oh, just don't be titter. Give us titter, Christina. Let's titter feel. And then we judge them in familiarity because it's actually their light that they carry and shines on our not that light parts and we don't like that. Because we're not like them, then we feel insecure and we try to dumb their life a little bit down. Familiarity starts to creep into the community. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor. When he was preaching there, there was honor. This is a man of God. He's preaching. He's going. It's amazing. It's awesome. Except in his hometown and amongst his relatives and in his own household. This is a freebie. It's so difficult to preach the gospel in your own family. None of my family is saved as I'm standing here. There was a time that my brother got baptized with me, fell away. My, my parents were two years in Josh Jane, fell away. And I'm like, you see, Lord, it's so difficult. It's just like I'm an elder in Josh Jane. I serve full time. I go for it. I'm, I'm in a sense, I'm, I'm an older brother, but the father figure within us as a church, it's difficult my family. It's easy sometimes to preach when nobody knows you. But in your family, oh, difficult. Eh? And he could do no mighty works there. Jesus could not do mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on the few sick people and healed them. 
And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus was still God. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Just because they didn't accept him. Accept him in his hometown. The only thing that changed is they didn't get the gift of God. And that is familiarity. That is familiarity. Jesus will stay Jesus up until this last day. If you are sitting here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will acknowledge Him on that day still as Lord and Savior. If you are sitting here and you don't have a relationship with God, the same will count for you. It says that every knee will bow on that day and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. It doesn't change the fact that He's God. But what does change is we don't receive Him as God and we don't receive the blessing that comes of a union and a relationship with Him because familiarity sure. crept in. So, I want us to recognize the hand of God in us as individuals, as us as a church, as a movement, and just recognize that God is doing something in 2022. And in 2023, and in 2024, he doesn't come back. It says that David, I prayed it here as well, that David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. That means there is purposes of God in every generation. We just can take hold of it or not. God has a purpose. Will you take hold of the purpose of God for your life? And go for it and say, God, come and do something by your spirit. Not out of your own strength, but by your spirit to come do something, not only in me, but the things he do, does in us always so that he can do something through you. Yeah. We're not sponges. Sponges are there to wash something. If you're going to be a sponge Christian, you're going to get a lot of knowledge and you're going to be full of water, but not be used. But a sponge is there to wash, to be used in a lost and dying world. Hallelujah. <laughs> the light is here. <laughs> Okay. So I want to end with the following. There's three stories then after or before this Mark 6 event that happened or this Mark 6 familiarity that crept in. There's three stories in the, in the, in the book of Mark uh, 5. The one, uh, you, and all three of them is very well known, you'll, you'll notice as I share them. The one is about a demon-possessed man that Jesus has a conversation with the demon, Legion. It means that there were many demons in this person and ultimately the, Jesus wanted to cast out this demon. The demon asked, can I, can I go into the pigs? And he said, go into the pigs. And as he goes into the 2,000 pigs, that pigs goes into the water and all of them drowns. First story. Second story, he goes on from there and, now I must remember, he goes through a crowd and there's a lot of people pressing around him and then there's this one woman that had a um, a, a problem with the flow of blood and she sought a lot of doctors uh, advice and things like that that all her money was spent to find a cure and then she saw faith, she had in faith she saw Jesus and she pressed through the crowd and said if I can only touch him yeah. 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 and Jesus said who touched me and all of a sudden people are like Jesus what are you on about? He's like, no, power went out from me. Something happened here. And they recognized the woman and he blessed her for her faith. And she was instantly healed at that moment. The next one from there on, as they were in this crowd, he heard 
two men speaking, and the one man told the other man, don't bother the teacher, and da 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 da, -da. Uh, and Jesus, hearing this, goes to them, and the one man's daughter is dead, and the other man wanted to discourage him from getting to Jesus, and ultimately Jesus approaches them, and he took only um, John, James, and Peter with them, and they said to the other people, you're not coming with us, went into that, and they raised Talita Kumi, so little girl arise. And the little girl rose up and a resurrection happened. Yo. So anyway, what can we learn from these three stories? From the first story, I looked at that and it struck me because there's, um, I think it's verse 4 or 5 around about there. You can go read it yourself. That says that um, at that time when Jesus chased all the demons into the pigs and the pink pigs ran into water, everybody goes on, why did Jesus talk to a demon? Wasn't he just cast him out? And I'm like, Jesus didn't just come for the demon-possessed man. I think Jesus came for everyone. He came for the, for the demon-possessed man and for the owners of those pigs. But what was he doing was challenging both. On the one hand, was challenging the demon to get out and bringing freedom. But there was a grip on the other people's hearts of materialism. Their lives were their pigs, their businesses, their money, their things. And Jesus chased that idol into the water. You know what those people's response was? They begged, this is the words, they begged Jesus to leave the region. The grip of materialism had their heart so much that they begged Jesus, please leave and don't do something in my heart. That is for me one of the saddest scriptures ever. And the next verse said that the demon-possessed man that's now free begged Jesus to be with him. And Jesus says that it's actually better for you to stay and your testimony would preach the gospel. And later Jesus come back. Many people believe in Jesus because of that one man. But Jesus actually came for everyone. And I want to ask, does the world have a grip on your heart? Does the world have a grip on your heart? Is your next paycheck or your next... And not, not that I'm saying it's not important. Really it is. It says if you don't work, you don't eat. There is scriptures like that. But does it have a grip, materialism on your heart? The next thing, the next thing. If I can just get this amount of money, I can get a Highlands bucky. If I just have this, I can bowl on in my house. If I just have, if I just have Jesus, you will be satisfied. Yes. No longer materialism, because for materialism starts to take your eyes off this, onto this. And familiarity creeps in. It's like, yeah, I just see this. It's a small to medium amount of people meeting together on a Sunday but you don't recognize Jesus within the midst. Next one. I don't know how long I'm going. Can I go for it? <laughs> Almost done. Um, I think the next one um, is the one of the woman pressing through the crowd. And this is for me like a, if you want a lens to look through to, say, to see how is my familiarity with Jesus going, I'm saying, are you pressing through crowds to get to Him? Or is that chase in your heart to chase after Jesus, to go for it? Is that a little bit like, uh, I don't know anymore. I've lived my good years. 
You see, I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm saying it now because I'm young and you know, it's a young guy preaching passionate by the grace of God and the back end of my wife, I hope, <laughs> to keep me in check to say, Enrei, go for it. I want to die on the battlefield. Wilma, I think in your previous preach, um, last week you mentioned twice Wilma Reed. Wilma Reed died his final week in another country encouraging, yes. preaching. He died on the battlefield. Yes. He said, wow, today I want to bless somebody still. He's dying. Not knowing in five days he will die. Next day he woke up and he said, today I just want to encourage one more. And he encourages four days, three days. Till his last day, he preached the gospel. He shared. That is a man of faith. The hero in our movement. Somebody that till the end, one more look. Preaching, encouraging, strengthening churches till the end. That woman, many people could have touched Jesus that day. One woman did it with faith. One woman went for it, pressing through the crowds and all hope is lost. I need to go for Jesus. Do we approach every week like that? You see, Lord, today, take hold of my life. Who can I invite? Who can I bring? Some testimonies from, from Stellenbosch. I have a burning passion for evangelism. The lost need to get saved. People need to come to Christ. Why? Because you can die tomorrow. Yeah. I went to go into... They didn't like when I do it, but I did it anyway. I went into schools a lot. And I started off... And there's a group of matrix in front of me and I said there's only one thing that's 100% you have a 100% chance to die in this life oh they hated it how can you confront me with death I'm like yes I can because you don't think about it we can die today can die tomorrow the reality is there do we praise through and go for it when are we going to have worship now challenging us guys take hold of Jesus as your Lord and Savior and I think the last one, do you recognize what you are a part of or do you miss it? And when I thought about that, the one is they beg Jesus to leave. The second one is they're standing outside of the door and the greatest miracle of all time is happening inside. And they could have partaken of that to see the resurrection of the dead. But without faith, they're just like, ah, don't bother him. But there was three guys that came in and the resurrection of the dead happened. Sure. They missed it. Like this morning, it was so profound. Many people stirring in their heart and something might happen in me this morning. Something, something might happen this morning in my heart that can change the course of my destiny. Do you see a Sunday like that? I do. I wake up like today my life can change. Today my life can change. God can come and do something. And even if He doesn't, I don't care. I gave Him all I can today. No, but Jesus is doing something in every church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not always. In Revelation, Jesus was standing, knocking at a church's door, wanting to actually to come in. Meaning they had the church service and Jesus was standing outside. They were doing everything week in and week out, familiar with how the schedule looked. No longer Jesus in their midst. Let us be churches that invite Jesus in daily to say, God, we want to partake of you and be with Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Do you recognize that you're not only a church in Grabo? If you're going to see that, you're missing the plot. You are a church in Grabo 
that is placed here by God to impact not only Gerbeau but the surrounding cities to see the kingdom of God come. Why are you here in the early days of this church plant? Because the Lord chose you to be here, to do something significant. Why is this so all deaf people in this community, in this church? You have the most influence in this town. Use it. You've had the longest relationships. Use it. Bring of yourself impact for above. But you're part of 44 other Josh Janes that the Lord is busy doing, restoring something of healthy church. And Josh Jane is not only Josh Jane is an island, but a part of a partnership of churches. 450 churches seeing God do something significant in, in this field of churches that through this one church doing something and if every oh, it starts actually with one individual then individuals together makes a healthy church if a healthy church is multiplied a hundred healthy churches it's a movement of God but it starts with one person saying I'm going to give myself I'm going to give myself I don't care if I'm the Tinto Christ I'm going to go for it I want to live for Jesus Amen? Yes. Um, let us not fall into familiarity, but let the Spirit come and blow off certain things in us and say, God, 412 conference is coming up this week. week. What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you changing? What are you, what are you bringing? There's a table. Eat. Amen. Um, as we were sitting here and he was talking, I literally just heard...